0: Welcome to the Alight in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a lover of life, an eternal optimist, a mother of four, and a daughter of God. Just like everyone else, I've had some difficult challenges to face in my life. Throughout these trials, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude, using them to help me become better instead of bitter. Now I want to share what I've learned with you hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hello, thank you for joining us on the Alight in the Darkness podcast. We are back after I took some time off to focus on my family. It was much needed, but I can't believe how much I missed doing this every week speaking to my amazing guests and hearing their stories inspires me and honestly it makes it so much easier for me to face my own difficult times. Today I am so excited to introduce you to my friend Mindy Barker. We were in a performing group together during high school (laughs) and she's always been somebody who I admire so thank you so much for joining us today Mindy.
1: Oh thanks for having me I'm excited. (laughs)
0: So first, let me just tell them a little bit about you. Mindy Barker is the wife of a ridiculously good-looking man and a mother of six amazing children and one incredible son-in-law. She was raised in Sandy, Utah, by the most caring parents who instilled in her a love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mindy has a zest for life that is contagious, and she loves to make people laugh. She always looks for the bright side in everything she does, and you will rarely see her without a smile on her face. She is a BYU sports fanatic and loves football season. She has been married for 25 years and finds joy in just about everything. Her life hasn't always been easy though. Mindy will share with us her journey through her father's murder, a struggle with infertility and multiple miscarriages, a battle with depression and anxiety, and the heartache of watching her teenage daughter go through cancer. There have been times she truly understood why someone would want to end their life. But she is here to tell you that there are ways to find peace and hope through the Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the people that he puts in your life along the way. So thank you so much for joining us again today, Mindy.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for even asking me to do this. I think this is a such a good opportunity. Um, so I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I think, like you said, honestly, you've had a lot of different experiences that we are going to be talking about today. So if it's okay with you, let's just jump right in. Can you maybe tell me, um, let's start with where you grew up.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Sandy, Utah. I lived there my whole life. We lived in a couple different homes, but mostly in the same um, area, just the same street. Um, I My parents were in just incredible. They raised us to just be super strong in the church. We always did family night every week and family scripture study and family prayer every day. And we just had a really good environment in our home and had a lot of fun. We, uh, my dad worked very, very hard. He owned his own business, um, and worked hard, but he played hard as well. When he would get home from work, he would play with us. We would have fun. And, um, yeah, I just had a really, really happy childhood, lots of really good memories and good trips. So, um, it was, it was wonderful, I have to say.
0: Good. Do you, tell me about how many siblings you have.
1: So I've got two brothers and two sisters. So I'm smack dab in the middle, which means I get the best of both worlds. When the older kids have to do the work, I'm a younger kid who has to go to bed early. When the younger kids, you know, have to go to bed early, I'm an older kid who gets to stay up and watch movies. So I, <laughs> I liked being the middle child. I didn't feel picked on. It was pretty fun.
0: That's great. So the first trial that you mentioned in your bio was the murder of your father. I'm sure, I mean, that's anybody's worst nightmare, I'm sure. So can you just kind of talk to us about everything that happened with that?
1: Yeah. So it was super, super weird and completely unexpected. Sometimes when people ask me, so how did your dad die? And I say that, you know, he was murdered, they instantly are shocked. And I, I try to help people not feel shocked. And I'm totally cool talking about it, that everyone grieves a different way. And I definitely grieved that way by talking about it. Um, but yeah, when, so when I was 12 years old, it was actually about 10 days before I turned 13. Um, I remember just being in the backyard with my, uh, with my friends just jumping on the trampoline. And all of a sudden, I, I heard all this screaming in my house, and which is very uncharacteristic of my family, we didn't we really didn't yell and scream at each other. So I was kind of like, what's going on? And then I saw my sister walk outside and, and she just said, Mindy, come here, you know, and I I walked over to her and, and she, yeah, she just looked very sad. And she was like, Mindy, dad just got shot. And I was like, what? You know, I kind of looked at her and I was like, is he okay? And she started crying and she didn't know. And so I left my friends, I walked inside and, and my mom was just I have to tell you something about my mom. My mom is a super calm individual. I don't ever remember her yelling at me growing up. I remember her just being kind. She was the perfect like June Cleaver mom. Like if you know who June Cleaver is, she was just that, that perfect dinner on the table when dad got home from work, wife who just, just so good with the kids and did everything. Anyway, she just was not a yeller and she was walking around the house, just crying and kind of really elevated voice and just saying, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. And and what's, you know, all this stuff. And it was just, it was confusing and weird. And and uh she was on the phone. Long story short, we we she had received word that my dad had been shot. Um we didn't know if he was alive or not. And they told us that they wanted us to come to the hospital as soon as we could um to see if it was him. So we called our bishop's wife. We jumped in the car. She drove us to the hospital. Um, My mom took the three oldest kids but decided to leave the youngest two at home. Um she later really regretted that. She wished she would have brought everyone, but she had no idea what what was going to happen and so she wanted to protect them. So we got in the car and we drove to the hospital and I remember as a 12-year-old just sitting in the car thinking you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I know we're okay. Like I didn't feel super worried about it, but um but in my mind I I think I kind of knew that he was gone. I I remember having that impression, but I was kind of the denial child. So we got to the hospital and you know, I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that when you walk into a hospital and it's dead silence and you can see that everyone's staring at you, you know something's not right. (laughs) And so they kind of walked us into this little room and they asked who we were, we walked into a little room and my mom told me that the minute they walked us into that room, she knew that he had passed away. And while we were in there, um, the, the doctor asked, you know, just some identifying questions about him, um, asked what kind of contacts he wore, asked, they just, they weren't sure if it was him. And, uh, when my mom explained some things about him, um, the doctor said, you know, I believe that this is your husband and I'm sorry to tell you he, he didn't make it, you know, and at that moment it, it's very surreal, um, because you just don't expect it. I mean, my mom was thinking, I hope he'll be okay to go to my brother's basketball game tonight. I mean that's really where we were at in our thought process and you know I I remember just sitting there and 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 just thinking that there's no way this could this could be for real. So my mom and my old my older sister didn't handle it very well. She um she was was definitely very concerned and started crying and just super super worried. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? You know, how are we going to live without him? So my mom took my sister and they went to go see if it really was my dad and came back a few minutes later and and she just as calm as could be as my mom always was she just walked in and put her arms around us and just said it's dad and he didn't make it you know and um, you just never want to hear that yeah. you never want to hear that as a, a young kid and um she asked the doctor if we could all go and see my dad and he kind of um discouraged us from seeing him just cuz he wasn't completely cleaned up and we we decided to go in anyway. And um I'll just let you know that when we walked into that room, I, I will never forget how peaceful it felt in there. I remember seeing him laying in the bed and thinking, there's no way he could really be dead. But walking up and looking at him and knowing that his spirit was with us and no longer in his body. And it was a little traumatic, I'm not gonna lie. So for because I didn't explain how he died. Um, do you want me to kind of give the background of what happened?
0: Whatever you feel like, sure. Yeah.
1: So he, like I had said before, he owned his own business. Um, the name of his company was Peacock and Larson. He and his business partner, um, they built industrial buildings for people and they had built a building for a man who, um, had, he was kind of eccentric. He was a millionaire, kind of had a lot of money. He wanted them to build just this, uh, this big like nightclub or something. Um, he ended up losing his building to bankruptcy and was very bitter about it. So a lot of times he had threatened my dad's business partner and, you know, told him, you can't take my building away from me. I'm going to take a side off shotgun and take you out, you know, things like that. And, and, uh, I think that's why my mom had, had felt worried about him, but it was never, directed to my dad. So on this particular instance, at least in my memory, my dad was um, they were going to be leasing the building to someone else. They didn't want the building um, and they needed to pay all of their contractors and everything. So um, the night that they were going to lease the building to someone else, his partner was going to go. Uh, instead, my dad said, well, I'm. it's on my way home. I'll, I'll take care of it for you. And so my dad went instead of his partner. And while he was there uh, meeting with this couple, the, the man walked in and he kind of looked at them and and peeked around the corner and then walked back out. And the couple asked him, they were like, well, what is that all about? And he just said, well, that's the guy that we built the building for. And they were a little confused, didn't know why. And and then about 15 minutes later, the guy came back and he just walked up to my dad in front of everyone. There was the couple and then a bunch of construction workers that were there. and. He just walked up and said, you can't take my building away from me. Pulled out two shotgun or two guns and just started shooting him. Wow. And uh, my dad had fallen down and and the couple chased this man out and and were able to, to uh, apprehend him. But in the meantime, he shot the guy in the hand. I mean, it was just kind of one of those events you don't ever expect. And so back to the room where we saw my dad, it was a little traumatic because he wasn't completely cleaned up by then. Like we could see where the bullet holes had gone in and yeah. it just didn't look like him, but I don't regret seeing him that way. I just don't. And I think it's because I knew he was no longer like his spirit was no longer there. Oh. I knew that he was in the room comforting us instead of in his body. So it was, yeah, it was just very, very surreal, very awful. Not going to lie.
0: <laughs> and honestly at 12, I feel like that's a pretty mature way to, to handle it and to have that such a powerful spiritual experience at such a young age. I'm sure that that was, even though it was so difficult to just be able to kind of see that for your own eyes and kind of feel that was probably a testimony builder for you.
1: You know, it, it really was. And I'm, I'm glad in a way that you brought up testimony builder only because um, a couple nights before he passed away. So like I had said, we, we always, we had family night every, every Monday night. And the Monday night, so he died on a Wednesday and the Monday night before he died, um, he got out the whiteboard and was like, all right, guys, we're going to talk about the plan of salvation. And we were all like, Oh, dad, we already know this. We've done this before. We've, we've talked about this lots. And he was like, Oh, I know we just need to you know, have a refresher. So he went through all of the plan of salvation and life before this, you know, and, and the earth and all the things that we go through and experiences. And then he did a little staircase of, you know, how to make it back to, to live with heavenly father again. And, and he was going through the principles and ordinance of the gospel. So he, okay, kids, what are the steps to get back? And, um, we went through all the normal steps and we got to the final step and none of us could guess what it was. We, we had guessed that, you know, the temple, our ordinances in the temple were our, the final step in, in our minds. And my dad, um, after we couldn't guess it, he was just like, all right, guys, I'm going to share a scripture with you which just so you know, is now my favorite scripture of all time and has been, um, and it's 2 Nephi 31 20, and it says, wherefore you must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if you shall press forward, feasting upon the words of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And that final step was endure to the end, and then 2 days later he passed away and i just don't believe that that's a coincidence i i really i really don't believe that whether he knew or not that he was going to die i believe that his spirit knew that it was it was his time to go he was he was prepared his life was in order he was serving in our state presidency at the time and he just loved the gospel of jesus christ he loved people he helped people he served he was kind and good and and he was ready so it, it helped me immensely in dealing with um, the shock of losing him.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. So I think you and I have similar personalities <laughs> as far as I feel like you and I tend to look on the bright side of things. Yes. And I think that's definitely almost a strategy or a coping mechanism for hard times in life. And everybody deals with hard things differently, but I really do feel like that's such a a great strategy when you're facing a hard trial in your life to be able to look for the good that can come from it. Mm -hmm. It makes the trial just kind of seem not as heavy and not as difficult because I mean, you're 12 years old, wow. such a difficult thing for your family.
1: No, for sure. I, I, I would agree with you hundred percent. I always try to find the bright side. I mean, with everybody in life, we all have trials and things that we go through that are super frustrating and things that we don't pick. Like I didn't, I didn't pick this. You didn't pick your trials. I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I try so hard to find, I, I, I hate to say it, the silver lining, but in a way I really do try to find the silver lining. What is it that's good that we can find in this? And it can be hard to find that sometimes, but but it's it makes it so much easier. So it, it was weird having it be all in the news. Everybody knew about it, you know? And when you go back to school after something like that, and you're in middle school, nobody knows what to say to you. They kind of look at you like you don't exist. I remember walking down the hall of the school and I took the first day off and my friends all came over and we talked, but but I needed to be with people. I needed to be surrounded by people and I wanted to go back and try to live just normally. And so when I went back to school and nobody would talk to me, I, I remember one kid, he was a new kid in the school and one kid um, tapped me on the shoulder in my class and he just said, are you doing Okay. And I was like, "Oh, thank you so much. You know, yes, I'm doing okay, you know, And I'm so glad that you talked to me because I just feel a little lonely. And he just talked to me, and he made me he made me feel good. And um, so things like that have have helped me get through stuff as well and help other people get through stuff is just being mindful of of other people and what they might be going through. But, yeah, definitely looking for the good has helped me in a ton of ways.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So let's talk a little bit about your mom and maybe even some of your siblings. Can we talk about how they kind of went through that grieving process and maybe even some of the examples that they gave you of how to deal with such a difficult trial at such a young age?
1: Yeah. Um, So my mom, first and foremost, I, I cannot say enough good about my mom like she just from day 1 was a perfect example of forgiveness. Um I I know that there might be some who are listening to this who would think what you forgave him he took your dad's life. I can't explain it other than the fact that she taught us how important it was to forgive and that when you forgive it helps you be free. And so from the very earliest moments um we chose as a family to forgive this man and he didn't go to trial right away they had declared him mentally incompetent to stand trial and so he went to a state mental hospital for a few years so i was actually a junior in high school when he finally went to trial and he um he claimed that he was set up and that it was a conspiracy and all he's just it was super wonky like super super wonky and we went to the trial and we were listening to all this and i remember him just glaring at us like looking at our family like this was our fault and it was just super weird but but i remember even more feeling um i didn't feel angry at him i felt sad for him and it's a very different feeling than than what i could have felt i remember his daughter was there so what you might not know is he was a member of the church and his family was as well and his daughter um she was married and in the temple and had children and she understood um the consequences of what her father had done eternally and grieved greatly and I remember her going up to my mom and just crying and telling her how sorry she was for what her dad had done and and how if she would have realized they would have taken the guns away and just all this regret that she had and I watched my mom this just stalwart, amazing, kind woman just embrace her and put her in her arms and tell her it was okay and that she loved her and that it wasn't her fault and that everything would be okay. And I learned from that example of my mom and I genuinely felt that same way. I genuinely felt forgiveness for this man. And, uh, years later when he actually passed away, he passed away in prison. Um, we my at different times that this wasn't we didn't even know each other had the same thing, but I remember um having just a distinct impression that my dad was one of the first people to greet him on the other side um to just tell him, "I love you and it's okay." And my brother and my other sister felt the same way they had the same impressions and uh, my mom and my brother ended up going to his funeral and talking to some of his family and it ended up being just a very good reconciling event and um brought a lot of peace. So my mom definitely the example. <laughs> she just she taught it, but not only did she teach it, she lived it. I never heard her speak ill of him. I never heard her yes, she had normal thoughts of oh, I wish dad was here. You know, oh, I wish, you know, that this hadn't happened, but I never heard her speak bad of the man who did it. She was, she just was so good, so good. And so it was a good way um, for me to learn how I should treat other people, especially when I'm wronged in a way that I can't control.
0: That's beautiful. That's, that's powerful. And um, like I said, you know, before we started recording, I remember, so you and I knew each other then um, when he was going mm-hmm. to trial and I hadn't, I mean, we were teenagers. And so I didn't know that it had been, you know, since you were 12 um, when it happened. But I actually remember (laughs) meeting your mom and seeing your mom because your mom was very involved Uh in our little performing group and would come to all of the different things. (laughs) And I just remember looking at her and honestly, just being inspired by her and feeling like she was such a strong, like you were saying, like just this, Christ-like example of of love Mm -hmm. and you know as a teenager you don't necessarily know what that means either but as I've grown up and you and I have reconnected on on social media I really do feel like she's (laughs) I don't even know her but I do feel like you know when I I think of forgiveness she's one of the first people that I think of in your family because just watching you guys go through this um I don't know it's just such like you said this this is such a difficult difficult thing and you guys had a choice you guys could decide you know look at this murder and and allow it to let your hearts be bitter and angry that your dad wasn't with you and angry at the person mm-hmm. who made that happen. Um but I think that your lives probably would have been a lot different if you would have had, held on to that that bitterness. Yeah.
1: Um
0: but because you guys had that example and I'm sure all of you had to get to that place kind of on your own. Um, but once you let that go, you were able to kind of just realize, you know what? You would never be grateful for yeah. your dad passing away. That's not ever something that anybody could say. But just the blessings that have come into your life through the trial are are powerful and special and kind of like a gift. Yeah. You,
1: right. Oh, I can. I just couldn't agree more. I, there's so many blessings that have come from it. I would, I would love. I, I did not love that he wasn't there for all the things that I did, you know, growing up. I don't love that my husband hasn't met him in this life, and that my children haven't met him in this life because he's so funny, and I think they would love him. I just always think, oh, you guys, you would love grandma. He's so hilarious, you know, and they don't know him. But I do love how I grew because of it. I, I'm telling you, I could have been a different person, even though I was raised well. Um, because of what had happened to him. I, my belief is that I will get to see him again. And, but I also know that that's based off how I live my life and the things that I do. So as a teenager, I didn't want to do anything wrong because I just thought, well, I know dad made it. So, you know, I've got to be so good. I mean, I was that kid that just carried my scriptures everywhere with me. I just, was I loved the gospel I just I wanted to know everything about it so that I could prepare myself to be with him again I don't think I would have been like that had maybe I would have I I don't know but but I don't know that I would have been as strong if it had not been for going through that and it has totally spilled over into my adult life and it's funny cuz when I turned 37 and my husband was 40 we were the exact age difference of my parents when my dad died so my dad was 40 years old um And my mom was 37 and a widow with five kids and the youngest was four. And when I hit that age, I remember just thinking, how in the world did she do this? Like, How in the world did she raise us so beautifully? Because it's hard. And like you said, she came to everything. (laughs) She had five kids and was doing it by herself. And she just was filled with so much love and gratitude to Heavenly Father for what she had. Um, That's another coping thing I wanted to share with you. Um, Gratitude. Finding gratitude in, in the things that you're going through, which can be very hard to do in some of the trials we go through. Finding gratitude in your father being murdered is very difficult. But finding gratitude in the fact that my mom was still alive and that she didn't have, we were fortunate. She didn't have to go to work because my father had prepared, um, beforehand and, um, and it, it made it so that she could stay home with us. Oh, I had so much gratitude for that. So that's one of my coping techniques is trying to find gratitude. Yeah. So.
0: So I would love to talk, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but let's kind of move forward in your life and talk about some of the experiences that you've been through since this time and kind of how some of the lessons that you've been able to learn through this first huge trial in your life, um, that have spilled over into the other trials.
1: Yeah. So it's funny. I, I was fortunate and, um, was I met my husband five days after I graduated from high school. I swore I would never be the girl that got married her first semester at BYU, but I'm totally (laughs) that girl. But um, we decided we wanted to have kids right away. We were super excited about it and we could not get pregnant for years. And having such a, in my mind, such a righteous desire and not being granted that and seeing everybody else having children. And we got married at the same time as my older brother and my older sister. And, um, they both had a couple kids before we even had our first child. And it was, it was super hard for me. And because it's something I desired so much, I remember every, every month just feeling so sad, but here's what, what I learned. I learned patience and I learned trust. I learned that not everything is in my time and that a lot of the things are in the Lord's time. Which is hard to accept, and now I look back at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, if we had had children when we wanted to, I I would have already been a grandma for years, and my daughter would have been married to <laughs> my son. I mean, there would be things that would be different that that I I firmly feel that the Lord knew I might not have been ready for. So mm-hmm. I I learned a lot in that. Um, and then when we started having kids, we kept miscarrying, and so. For, for those who have had miscarriages, everyone experiences it a little bit different. Some of them are harder than others. Um, one of ours was far enough along that we already had seen the heartbeat. We already knew that this baby was real. We already had you know thoughts of names and things like that. And, um, and so other ones, maybe we hadn't yet, so it might not have been as real, but it's difficult, super, super difficult. And so, um, but once again, I learned to trust in the Lord because I knew that with my dad's passing and some of the other things that I'd gone through, I knew that things had always worked out. And I knew that I would be okay. I was still sad. Um, yeah. but I but instead of dwelling on the fact that I was sad, I tried to focus on the fact that, man, I'm so grateful for the kids that I have been blessed with, or I'm so grateful um, you know, that today I was able to to smile and find something good in the day, like just different things like that. Um, I would try to focus on instead of focusing on the hard thing that I was going through. Um, yeah. And it, it helped, it didn't always make it go away, but it it helped.
0: I think you bring up a really good point. Um, like I said, I feel like your and my personalities are similar. And I think sometimes people look at us with our positive attitudes and feel like maybe it's fake. <laughs> Or, you know, nobody can be happy all the time. Yeah. And guess what? They're I mean, they're it's not fake, but they're yeah. right that nobody can be happy all the yeah. time. Even the person who can walk around constantly with a smile on their face, you don't know what they're going through. And like you said, you still were sad. You know, thinking happy thoughts and being gr- grateful for things and looking for the positive, none of that takes that sadness away because there is opposition in all things and that all still has to happen you still have to of course you're feeling sad as you miscarry and things like that but it's such a powerful testament that you can still have all of these difficult Mm -hmm. times but still feel a joy for life and just like you said so grateful that you're still here and able to live it Yeah. Um, I think that kind of brings us into the next part. You talked about going through depression and anxiety. And as somebody who, you know, says they always have a smile on your face. I'm sure that that was very difficult for you to face. I,
1: I can honestly say, Carly, that going through depression was the hardest trial of my entire life. And I've said that to people before and they're like, how can that be harder than your dad passing away? And this is what I tell them, because when he passed away, I had the ability to cope with it. When I was going through depression, I no longer had that ability, and I didn't know what was happening. So my depression came super unexpected, um, came out of nowhere, and I didn't know what it was. I finally had my first child, and I was so excited to finally have a baby. And then I just all of a sudden became very, very sad. And not just very, very sad, like normal sadness. Like I was literally crying all day long. I started having panic attacks. My heart felt like it was gonna burst out of my stomach. I couldn't sit still. Um, I would just pace the house. I would look around and I would just cry all day long. And nobody knew why. Nobody in my family had been through depression. Um, none of my sisters not my mom um my cute mother-in-law hadn't everyone was so kind and loving and wanted to help me but nobody knew how and i didn't know how because i didn't know what was happening um i remember just pleading with the lord like we're always taught to you know get on our knees and ask heavenly father for help at which i've become really good at but this was one of those times that i didn't i didn't get the instant help i wasn't able to find the happy thing i'm used to being able to just Okay, where's the positive in this? Where's the happy thing? And I no longer could find that and it just it scared me to death. I I I remember times feeling like I was in the darkest tunnel and I remember one time thinking I can no longer see the light at the end of the tunnel and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And I truly didn't know other than the fact that I had faith that I was going to be okay. Um it it took time. It was a process, you know, and I, of course, everyone has their answer, like, you need to do this, or you need to do this, and you need to do this. And so you listen, and you follow one thing that might not work. um, And then you might try something else. And, and uh, it was, it was really hard for me, Carly, like, really hard. But I remember, um, in the area that we were living at, I had this sweet lady um, in my ward, who she was actually assigned to be my visiting teacher at the time. She had 10 children and, um, she had experienced what I was experiencing with her last child. And I remember her coming to my home and just sitting down next to me. And all she said was Mindy, I promise it's going to go away. You will not be like this forever. And there was just something in her saying that that gave me a hope I had never had before because she had been through it. So I knew she wasn't lying to me. (laughs) Like she had been through it and everyone else that kept telling me it's going to go away it's going to go away it's not that i didn't want to believe them it's that they hadn't been through it they had no idea what was happening to me and she did so i i took that um experience of what she did for me and i have used that so many times there are just so many people struggling with depression and anxiety and it is heart wrenching and my hope for all of them is that A, they won't lose that hope and B, that they will just engross themselves with somebody who has been through it, who can help them know that they're going to get through it and they're going to be okay. And of course there's techniques and ways to get through it. And, um, you know, I won't go into all of that, but, but that lady's, oh, she just saved me. She saved me in a way she'll never know.
0: That's beautiful. Did you have the postpartum depression with any of your other kids or was it just that once?
1: So I had it with my second child, um, extremely bad again. Um, but I had started to learn different things about my body, um, that I needed to take care of, um, before I had my next child. I decided, okay, because one of the ways that I was able to get through the depression, and this might sound silly to some people, but I had to go off all sugars and yeast and things like that and really, really exercise, get out, be in fresh air, be in the sun. Um, I had done medication with my first one. I'm not against medication. I think it's wonderful. And I'm so grateful that people have that opportunity to take it. I had taken it, and it uh, with my first child and it did take the depression the depression away. I like, I wasn't sad every day and I felt really grateful for that, but there were moments where I felt very past feeling and I didn't like that either. Like I, I felt like I wasn't myself, but I was so grateful that I wasn't crying all day, That I didn't care. I was like, that's okay. At least I can wake up and function. And so, but I, I didn't love it. And so I wanted to find a way um, to get through it without medication. And so So I did, I, and it was with, with diet and exercise and with some, some other things and some counseling and, and it really helped me. So before I had my third child, I decided to just go off all of those unhealthy things and get myself really, um, really ready and strong and healthy. And, uh, before I gave birth and, and I never experienced it again after that point, but it's interesting because fast forward all these years, I I've had multiple children who have dealt with anxiety, like really bad anxiety. Um, I've had one who who went through some pretty rough depression and I felt equipped to help them because of what Heavenly Father allowed me to experience. Do I ever want to go through it again? No, (laughs) never. Like, no, I really don't. But I can honestly say I feel grateful to Heavenly Father for allowing me to experience it. Because I truly felt empathy for people who are going through it. I know what they're going through. And it's, I won't ever tell them, oh, just buck up and get over it. Because you can't. And people who have not been through it don't understand
0: that. It's hard. Well, speaking of somebody who's had a loved one that, you know, with my sister, she just had, I mean, such severe depression and anxiety. And and that's how I felt. I felt so helpless because... You know, I knew that it was real and I knew that it was so difficult for her, but I I had no clue Mm -hmm. how to help her. And it's such a helpless feeling to to see loved ones go through things like that and just be like, Oh I'm doing my best, you know, I I'm here for you and I love you. But but at the same time, you know, I don't know. But that's kind of where then I have that opportunity to say, do you know what though? Somebody does, somebody does know exactly how you feel. And even though it's not me, you know, that person, Jesus Christ can be that help for you that can kind of fill in, in those areas of when you're feeling hopeless, just knowing that he's been through it too, you know?
1: And I think sometimes people forget that he truly knows because it's easy for us to not associate anything negative with him because he's so wonderful and was perfect. But the atonement of Jesus Christ is when he experienced all the pains that we, we have gone through and, and he truly does know and understand. And, and uh, man, there's so much peace and comfort in that. There's just so much peace. So it's just, it's a it's a tough thing that I, I multiple times i've wished i could take that away from people and i remember family asking me are you okay like are you feeling you're basically asking the questions are you feeling like you want to take your life and and i remember one time um telling my husband i just said i i don't necessarily feel that but for the first time in my entire life i understand why somebody would and I don't say that lightly. I understood it because oh, I just wanted it to go away so bad. So I get why somebody um, would want to relieve themselves of that. So I have a lot of empathy for those um, who have experienced that and and ended their life and for their families who have experienced that not knowing what they could have done to change it.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. So I did want to kind of get into the last um, trial that you talked about in your bio recently. Um, How long has it been that your daughter was diagnosed with cancer?
1: So it's been um, a little over, oh, about a year and a half almost. No, April will be two years this April. So yeah.
0: So and this is where does she fall kind of in, in your kid's
1: So she is the third of our six children. And she's just my bright, bubbly, super involved, very, um, everybody knew her at school, lots of friends, and just kind of had like, the life, you know, the perfect little high school life. And um, when she was a sophomore, she just, she was on the basketball team. And um, she just started getting sick. And we didn't know what was what was wrong we just thought she had a cold just the normal things and um she came in and she's like mom I, my tonsil's a little swollen we got to go into the doctor and get me some you know get this checked so i was like oh i'm sure it's fine and but we took her in to get it checked and he just said yeah it looks a little inflamed we'll we'll give you some medicine they thought she had tonsillitis and um within a few weeks it had doubled in size and had little things growing out of it and she was like mom something is not natural and i looked in her mouth and i was like oh Wow. Yeah. That's we should probably get that checked and she's like I have cancer. And I was like you do not have cancer. And I want you guys just to know in that one sentence I have basically solidified for the rest of my life that I know nothing with my children. <laughs> because we took her in to get her tonsil checked and uh this was a Tuesday. Um the doctor looked at it. He said, "Yeah, we should get that taken out." Um you could sense some concern in his face and we her, she had her tonsils taken out on Thursday. On Sunday, we found out that she had cancer. And by the next Wednesday, we were at primary children's in full-blown chemo. Mm -hmm. So it was completely life-changing within a week Mm -hmm. and unexpected and completely heart-wrenching for this cute girl. So, What
0: type of cancer was it?
1: So she had um, non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma and it's basically where the lymphoma is, her, her tonsil was the lymphoma. It was a big mass cell. And so they had to get that out. But in case any of the lymphoma um, attached itself to her body, then it could spread throughout her body very quick. And so they had to do um, a very intense chemo very fast. So lymphoma has a really good um, success rate but it's also a really intense treatment. And so I remember when we found out that she had it. So I've got four girls and all of my girls have long, beautiful hair, but Brianna is my daughter who her hair was her life. <laughs> like her hair is long and gorgeous and she babies it. She doesn't put any product on it or heat. And it's just shiny and silky and thick. and. Um, when, when she was told she had to go through chemo, I remember her asking the doctor, am I going to lose my hair? And he said, yes, you'll lose your hair. And, oh, she just wept and I wept and we all wept because we knew, we knew what she was headed into. And I know that that seems insignificant because obviously we wanted her to be healthy, but it, that was really hard for her
0: especially for a teenager I think you know yeah. anybody, I I think anybody losing their hair it's just
1: quite yeah a thing. well she was 15 and almost 16 years old and so you know you ex- you expect your 16th birthday to be this really exciting I finally get a date I finally get a drive and and uh and to her it was a uh, wow I just rang the bell you know, right. Her, she finished her chemo treatments a few days before her birthday. So she rang the bell and she spent her 16th birthday in a very different way, Mm -hmm. but her perspective on life completely changed and her closeness with the Lord and with the savior completely changed. She was always close to him. She always loved the gospel, but when your life's on the line and you're turning to him for everything, you, you kind of grow up a little bit quicker and, um, she just turned into this beautiful beautiful young woman who knew what was most important in life um but man it was hard it was hard to come back and be bald and feel like you're not pretty and not know where you fit in anymore and uh it was rough super rough
0: so she rang the bell so that means that she's in remission yeah. now right
1: yeah awesome. she is so we go back and we get checked um every 6 months and then a year and um She, we had a little scare this Christmas. They thought they had found something, but thank heavens, um, a pet scan ruled it out and she is still cancer-free. So we're very, very grateful. I bet that's so hard. scary. There were were some times during her treatment that, oh, just watching her, like the night that we, so we decided instead of her just losing her hair, she wanted to have a, a, some of her really close friends get together. And, um, and, and take turns cutting her hair off. And then her friends each cut off a little bit of their hair. Um, some of them, a lot of their hair actually, um, to kind of support her. And it was super, super touching, but that first cut, because we braided all of her hair in little braids. And then each of us cut off one of the braids. That first cut was just heart wrenching. And then that, you know, there were times in the chemo process where th- there was one point where she had lost 17 pounds and she was already yeah, super teeny. So 17 pounds was like, she just looked, she just couldn't even hardly walk. We had to get a wheelchair for her and she was so sick. And they finally had to put a feeding tube in her because she couldn't eat and everything tasted gross, but she was losing so much weight. They needed to nourish her. And you just, at that moment, you feel like, how can there be any good in this? But here's, what's interesting. We found some good in it. I remember her saying, mom, I love that we got to spend those days in the hospital together just you and me, she was like, we never would have gotten to do that if it hadn't been for this, you know, we just sat and watched the Food Network (laughs) and like HGTV, they became our friends in those hospital rooms all day long, you know, but stuff like that. And she's been able to find the good. And there were definitely times I had to remind both of us that there was good in this because it was not what we wanted. It's not what we picked. We didn't like being separated from the rest of the family you know, and, and, uh, but it, but it worked out and we're happy and life is good and it's still unsure at times, but it's good. You know, we're, I feel very, very blessed.
0: So I feel compelled to ask you something. Um, everybody, I think sometimes you can look at life and you could think, okay, if I'm choosing the right, if I'm doing all the things that I should, then." you know, I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to have an easy life. I'm not going to, you know, that's just what we're supposed to do. And if I do that, then things aren't going to be hard, but that's not true. (laughs) And, you know, as we've kind of talked today, I mean, starting out with the murder of your sweet dad and ending with the cancer of your sweet daughter. And I'm sure that the trials are not over for you and your family kind of what do you have to tell people um, just about the thoughts when they get overwhelmed, when they're feeling like, why do I just keep getting one thing after another? Can't we just get a break? I'm sure you've (laughs) felt that before.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. Have I felt that? (laughs) I felt that so much the past few years. And I like you, I used to think that I did used to think if I just keep the commandments, if I just read my scriptures every day, if I just, Pray every day and do what I'm supposed to do. You know, I will be happy and there won't be any problems and all this stuff. No, you guys, that is a falsehood. (laughs) I can't tell you how wrong that thinking is, but this is what I have learned. These experiences have brought me growth that I never, ever would have achieved if it had not been for going through this. And even more importantly, my relationship with Heavenly Father is better than it has ever been. And I don't know if you remember me back in high school, I was like a super churchy girl. I mean, I was praying all the time and doing stuff at like time, but my relationship with Heavenly Father right now is so much closer than it was back then. I, my prayers are just full-on conversations. (laughs) Like I pray all the time because I know I can't do it without him. I'm a runner, I became a runner um, after I had all of my children and I find a lot of peace in it because it's just me and the Lord. Um, I used to always listen to music when I was running, but I don't anymore I started using that opportunity to pray and just talk to heavenly father while I'm running and it has it has been life-changing and that's where I think like there are still times where I just, Even in my prayers when I'm running, Heavenly Father, why? Like, why is this happening to my child? Or why are we having to go through this? Or why this? Um, But the difference is is that I don't feel I'm not questioning Him. I'm more seeking comfort and seeking wisdom to get through it because I know it's part of the plan. I know I'm going to have more trials and I know some of them are going to be beastie. And I know that I'm gonna be brought to tears many times. I've heard from people who are a little bit older than me, who are just starting to get children, who are becoming adults and getting married. And they're like, oh, sweetie, it gets a lot harder from here. And I'm like, no, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but but I am. I feel like I am ready because of that relationship that I have with Heavenly Father. And because of my, my testimony of the Savior Jesus Christ, um, the comfort and peace that I've felt through all of this um, is immeasurable. And I just feel so much gratitude for that growth. Yeah.
0: As you were talking, I kind of got this little visual. So I'm a very visual person I started Uh thinking about it. And I thought of your cute daughter and how she said, what a wonderful time she had with you, even though it was so hard that she got to have all of that one-on-one time with you that you wouldn't have otherwise. And then I feel like in my mind's eye, I started thinking about that with you and Heavenly Father or with Mm. anybody who's going through a trial and Heavenly Father. Because when we're going through that trial, we get that that one-on-one time with Him in a way Mm. that is so different if we weren't going through something hard. And again, we have our agency. We have to choose to turn to Him when we're going through those hard times. But if we do, The results can just be so special and tender and give you strength that you never thought was possible in order to overcome Mm -hmm. trial after trial after trial. Because let's face it, they're not going to stop. It's life. And everybody has them. Everybody has hard things coming in their life. It might not be the murder of their father, but- or cancer, but it can be an allergy to peanuts as an adult or <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who knows what's, what's yes. going to come your way. And you just, you just don't, but what a, for a beautiful thought to think that you can, you can just kind of know that you're going to be there and have that special time with Heavenly Father and learn things that you never knew were possible and to have that closeness with him. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. I I sure love just all of the thoughts that you have shared with us. I know that like I said at the beginning, I have missed this and I have needed this (laughs) in my life. So if for nobody else, once a week, I'm going to have my friends come. (laughs) We're going to talk about (laughs) how life is hard but it's okay that we all go through hard things and that we become stronger because of them. So thank you so much, Mindy. I really appreciate it.
1: You are welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Carly.
0: (laughs) So if somebody was inspired by your story and they maybe want to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Oh, goodness. I mean, I, so I'm on Instagram. It's at BYU sports fanatic you'd be welcome to instant, or to message me there. I'm also on Facebook. It's Mindy Larson Barker, so Larson's with an O N. Um you could find me there. I I'm, I'm just I'm more than happy to connect with people, talk to people, reach out to people. It's something I I love to do. I love to speak to youth groups. I love to go around and um I've gone to a couple different relief societies and and helped out. It's just I feel like Heavenly Father has given me these experiences so that I can um, use it to help other people. And that's really my, my goal in life.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all also for so much for listening to my Alight in the Darkness podcast. Like I said, I've just really been humbled by your support. As I get back into sharing new episodes every Wednesday, it would really help me out if you could do a few things for me. First, make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on right now. Second, if you could leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Another thing you could do to help support this podcast is to like, like my social media pages and on Instagram and on Facebook. I am just a light in the darkness and One of my favorite things, ways that you can help people, just because, like I said, help people. So instead of helping me, you're helping other people. If you could share this episode on your own social media page, or even just texting it to somebody that you feel needs to hear it, I just feel like it's going to help people in a way that we never thought possible. Doing all of those things can help people who are struggling with difficult trials, learn how to use them to become better, instead of bitter they can find strength through these stories and the spirit that they feel so thanks so much again mindy and thank you all for listening and i will see you here next wednesday bye i want to give a special thanks to my son carter for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast if you want to hear more of his music you can find him on instagram at carter guitar 456